You are listening to Genuine Chit Chat. This show is for real. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week is part two of my conversation with artist Elise McCall. So obviously, if you haven't checked out last week, make sure you go listen to that right now because it's a fantastic start to the conversation. Elise is an artist. She has done comic book artwork uh, for quite a few different titles. One of them more recently was the Reburn comic, uh, who Alison Shelton created and wrote. And I spoke with both Elise and Alison Shelton on episode 173 of Genuine Chit Chat. And I also spoke to Alison earlier in the year, around April 2022. And that was about like Reburn in general. So two really cool Reburn conversations, but this one is a lot more about Elise's artwork specifically and a lot of it is to do with her artistic expression, my interpretations of some of her art, her methods for projects and things, all kinds of different things like that but make sure you check out her website a link is in the description, it's elisemccall.com because there you can look at so much of her amazing artwork including a lot of what we spoke about in this very conversation so I really recommend people check that out. Obviously all my Patreon supporters got access to this part last week as well because Patreon supporters get access to part one and part two of conversations in one nice little package when part one drops and they'll be getting a bonus episode today as well of mine and megan's afterthoughts and we've just kind of concluded spooky season so we did like 10 or 11 horror films and then we're delving back into some of the tom hanks movies we needed to watch and a few other bits and pieces too but that is going to be enough from me my friends i'll talk to yourselves at the end with what's to come and a few other bits and pieces that don't fit in the intro but without further ado here is part two of my conversation with elise mccall Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. It's more matured, and it feels like these two eras have kind of come together to something which really brings about some of the elements I really appreciate from the earlier, more figurative elements, and then the middle, sort of darker elements. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that, really. Yeah, no, I mean, by the way, I mean, you would say you didn't go to art school, but you would have fooled me. I mean, like the way you talk and it's like, and and that's what I always try to encourage people is that there's no like wrong way to, to talk about art. And oftentimes like going with your, you know, kind of your gut feelings, it's like, I find is actually always the most accurate. And you, you really touched on, you know, I feel very, you know, um, you know, uh, thankful that you would see a lot of this stuff you know and and also it comes back to that kind of um thing i was talking about earlier that i'm always really amazed at how much like people and like you yourself could like pick up on certain things that you know i know was like kind of present in my life but i wasn't sure i'm never sure if it's like really coming across but it's it's kind of encouraging to hear that you know that that stuff is seen and felt in the work. Um, and with those three different eras, you know, it, it does kind of speak to this progression of moving through, like, almost like my learning of how to paint the figure, you know, learning how, like, more academic, you know, practice just to get, like, how does a body fit together, you know? How does, uh, how do I capture light and, and, and you know, color accurately and then like once I get to kind of that point you know in that middle stage it's like then I can kind of start to you know let out some of this you know this angst you know especially as a young person I feel like I you know can be a little I can be I have a lot of it you know and and I do really sometimes can be maybe even on the nose about it right and and I don't think that that's a bad thing, but it, it, it is nice to hear that you kind of have been seeing and feeling like it's it's progressing and evolving because I'm trying to find that that 
that in between as well, because I don't want it to be like easily, you know, with a painting, I don't want it to be easily dismissed. And I don't want it to be easily understood either. I think that the best part of a painting is one that can, you know, compel you to keep looking for a little bit and to get you to think even just a, beyond like, you know, a, a a quick glance because it's so easy to, you know, dismiss paintings in, in this age of, you know, endless distraction. Um, so with, with work, I try to do that, that push pull so that it's not clear whether this is like entirely a negative state of being, or if it's like, you know, there's some good and beauty in it too. Uh, yeah, I don't know if if that makes sense or answers your question. No, it does. I mean, with with all almost all good art, you've got uh, some degree of confliction within it in a good way. And and one of your art styles, you know, you from one of the interpretations I get as well is, you know, especially in your later work, there's a lot more about nature. There's a lot more, uh, you know, sort of the middle chapter in a sense. There was nature, but a lot of it was damaged and destroyed, and the the, the sort of the woods around were forming shapes in the landscape. Whereas in the and also there's a lot more water as you go on, so it's kind of like mm. you. And, mm. and I, I see this as well because um, I've been with my partner Megan for five years, and there's certain patterns uh, I've seen with her of certain elements, and she's always happiest in nature, and also the yeah. two the two places on water or near water and or around surrounded by nature and forest so it's all about this sort of this life feeling and obviously a lot of these paintings there's one which uh, was one of megan's favorites called uh sockeye um and it mm. was you know it's a a being um underwater holding what looks like uh, either a, s- a salmon or maybe a yeah i think it's yeah. something like that yeah it's a salmon that, that is a salmon. Yeah. brilliant yeah um so it's these sort of things and a lot of it is one of megan's other favorites was the uh the lily pad one where uh, it doesn't it's unnamed ah. uh laying on the back with pink hair and obviously the uh, thighs and the breasts have got pink to them as well and yeah. just on that water and that serene and the peace and things so it just feels like with this it's it was almost like Finding yourself was chapter one and the figurative side. Then part two is your place in the world around you and going to, you know, the part of the woods that have been burnt down because there are parts that are like that. And then part three was almost finding your your way in amidst nature and not necessarily all of the dark parts that do inhabit it, but more so the the ways in which one can coexist. And there are still flashes in a way. There's the really beautiful uh, sort of cliffscape, the white cliffscape, and then there's the blood red sky and mm. the, just the black dot in sort of the top which could be you know an eclipse it could be you know things like that so i just find that even just these three and there's i encourage people to check out your website there's so many cool things on there including like your drawings themselves as well but with these paintings like you can go through them and keep every time i go to the page again i start find either a new painting that i i find really uh either speaks to me or i find something specific about it i really enjoy so i have found that that sort of progression it feels like not only in your art style but even if i didn't know this was yourself i would be like well this person seems like they've kind of gone through something but they are now more comfortable in their their place in the world in a sense and really that's all we're doing growing up isn't it yeah, no, I mean, very, you're so astute, <laughs> like, and I appreciate that a lot. Thank you for, you know, your, your really beautiful interpretation of it. And, and I would say, you know, it's funny that you, you bring that up, because it's like, you bring up nature, because it's almost like at this point, I'm so, it's a, it's second, it's second nature to me. It's like, it's, it, it's just 
happening now in my work. But you're right, there was this point at which I started to more intentionally incorporate nature into my work. And, you know, big surprise, it came after the pandemic, because it was like, it's terrible, you know, of what we were all going through and being like isolated and quarantined. And I started to really reevaluate a lot about, um, you know, interior space and being like trapped there and being like, I started going on more walks. I don't know about you, but like I felt like I started to feel a lot more comfortable um, with nature and around it. And I started to feel a little more distant from things like, um, you know, like social media and technology. And not that those things are bad. I still think that there's an importance they play in our lives. But I felt like, oh, I was maybe too entrenched in this, the, the noise of the world rather than, you know, the moments of my my world, you know, like the the space that I inhabit, which is like, you know, I just walked in the backyard and I would see things and be like, I didn't know that that happened here, you know, like I'd see like mushrooms pop up and be like, whoa, you know, like I didn't know that grew here, you know, I started to see plants that I'd never noticed or like little bugs and things. And it was like, it, it, I felt like, wow, there is so much that I've been ignoring or missing because I've been so almost like, distracted by other noise um that that may or may not have much importance to me you know like there there's an importance in being aware of stuff in the world but at the same time it's like i i can't really enact any change on those things a lot of those things i can i can only pretty much control like where my body is right now and uh and that started to really um change how i approach image making and making art hmm uh, yeah, it, it's amazing. And I appreciate your honesty there and speaking about that element with us because it's nature is one of those things where I think as all humans, we all have a an interesting relationship with nature because we're all kind of vaguely, we're all taught that we are the top of the food chain and stuff. And it's like, we're not really, we're the, we are in air quotes, the smartest. So, you know, there's a lot of debate with whales and dolphins and things having their own language, but not to get into the minutiae of that, um, of land dwellers, generally considered the most intelligent because we are smart enough to create cages and guns and therefore we win um, which is a pretty pretty good argument to be fair you know not the not the nicest of arguments in the animal kingdom but it is it's a pretty hard one to argue with and so humans in themselves like it's almost being a human and being a person are almost two different things mm. being a human is the element of you that is an an animal in the sense you know not saying going feral but you know like a nice dog or something or you know, things <laughs> yeah. like that where it, it's you are animal and you when one goes into nature and things, one kind of feels that that connectivity. It's kind of the, I've described it quite a few times. I've mentioned it once, I think, in this podcast, but numerous times over my shows is the the static of being a person. Is just there's all this in the background. You know, there's the oh, you've got to pay this thing, and also don't forget about this person's birthday, and also this event's coming up soon, and we're Christmas soon, so you need to buy gifts for this, and also don't forget about this holiday that you've got up coming up. Also, don't forget about your car because that's going to go. Also, rents due in this time, but also you're a little bit skint on this. You know, it's all these little voices that you're not always necessarily hearing all the time but it's it's rare that they get tuned out there's always something buzzing there and when you get into these scenarios where either you podcast like this or when you draw art or um or make art rather or you do some sort of uh, venture a lot of people have music and things like that you you block out a lot of these things because you're hyper focusing and what i quite like about going out into nature be it uh, my brother loves sitting by a, a stream that's his favorite place to be the most calming place megan i think is the ocean and whatnot i think mine's in a forest where mm -hmm. there's no silence but the background noise is of just life and everyone's got their their preferred things but 
It's just that way of blocking everything out. When you go through a walk in the forest, unless something quite severe in your life is potentially going on, or maybe someone has a busier mind than I, um, but I find that when I'm walking in the forest with either by myself or with my um, with Megan or anything like that, I just don't think about anything else, really. It, it's just so easy to tune in to life. You know, the squirrel in the trees isn't worrying about taxes or worrying about electricity <laughs> yeah. bills. They're kind of thinking about, I need to get nuts, I need to not get eaten, I need to climb the street. That's more or less it. And when you're in nature and you can feel all this life around you, it's it's something that I find is so... People do always talk about it, but it is something I feel like people really do need a lot of the time. And when people mm-hmm. are feeling burnt out or feeling, you know, you can sit there and watch 10 hours on Netflix and have seen every show everyone's ever watched ever. And that's great. That's a fun thing to do. But also it's nice to just walk around and not actually have any pressure to consume this or to do that or to think about this. And I think yeah. that in your art, it's kind of that that tranquility in a sense that kind of comes about with it. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, that's that's a huge compliment. But I, I yeah, it, it's, it's something I love too about nature is that it's so, you know, like we're of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it can, we can easily be distracted and forget that we're of it. And, and with that, what you were talking, being a person and having to, you know, do all these things, especially like, you know, these social obligations that are, you know, necessary for us to function and, mm. and live, you know, uh, in, in our society. But like, we also forget that there's a sort of functionality of connecting with nature and, and like just moving through the world and remembering that you exist in a body, you know, that like has needs, you know, this comes up a lot in like, you know, like therapy and and people like talk about it that, you know, if you're, you know, feeling like you're going into a terrible place or, you know, and I can sometimes be this way, you know, and start to, my mind is racing. It's like, well, like, have you eaten? How much sleep have you gotten? You know, like, did are you, um, you know, hurt in any way? Are you dealing with some sort of pain? You know, like all those types of things. It's like, it's to ground you. And that's where I feel uh, there's such an importance of like connecting with the the humanness of us. Like you're, you're you know, in your comparison, it's like saying that w- we exist and uh, it's like, both parts of us you know we have to find some sort of balance within it and i think it's so easy to because we're so afraid of like losing um you know like we we have to like pay rent we have to do things right we don't want to get uh punished with like uh you know a, a random bill or something you know it's like we're we disproportionately prioritize that but i think you know at the expense of overall well-being which i feel like is you know, as society gets more complicated and more complex, you know, you start to, we start to see more people are being left behind because they're just not able to keep up. And, and it's like, I feel that. And I'm somebody who's like able-bodied and, you know, like has a certain amount of privilege growing up in, you know, the Western world. And, but like, I see, you know, for my mom who struggles with, you know, schizophrenia, she, she is one of those people that's left behind in this society by not being able to keep up with the growing complexity. So I, I try to, you know, I I appreciate you noticing some of this in my work. I I am trying to, uh, you know, maybe put, put a pause, you know, bring, bring us back to a little bit of like, you know, reflection on that natural world that's still important to us yeah and i think it's about tranquility as well and it's calm and you know if you ask the majority of people where's the most calm place you can think of 
they'll say things like, you know, sat on a field or sat in a, for- sat in a forest, sat by the edge of a beach. Um, a lot of the time it's people like in a cottage surrounded by bookshelves with a nice fire next to me. And it's like, well, that's, although it's humanizing it in some ways, it's still basically nature because you're not in a, you know, a few people say, yeah, I feel the most relaxed on a park bench in the middle of New York City at rush hour. It's like, that's not really very relaxing for anyone. Even, you know, uh, high flyers of that sort of area and caliber, it, it's just there are common threads of what makes a human being relaxed. And it's just quite interesting that we, there's so many things we put in the way to prevent that. Even though I understand that I'm not an anarchist and things, I think society could probably be run a lot better than it is, but that's a whole conversation that lasts eternity really. Um, but I want to ask sort of in some of your work and something we touched upon in our prior conversation is, uh, the idea of sort of, still linking in with the art is alternate realities and things mm. and so i want to ask with your artwork and whatnot obviously there are a lot of it's very human and a lot of figuresque but also it's you know there are more abstract areas but it's still kind of in that through line of humanity i mean there's another one on the um the more recent photos of the uh, green-skinned individual holding a, a mushroom of some sort it's yellow mm. in the background and then you've got the sort of two cats on either side like a lot of these are either deeply human because the one next to it is of, um, you know, a human figure laying that looks like maybe on a lake or something like that. And then you go down and there's still, there's human elements, but it's sort of um, an alternate version of reality in some senses. So do you find that with, obviously, it's kind of a trick question because some of your artwork you, you do write for comics, which it's in itself its own sort of version of reality but with your artwork and your paintings especially ones on your website or the ones that that you do for you do you feel as if a lot of these we don't have to tell us if some do if some of them are the same being in a different reality the same or different being in the same reality is that kind of do you frame it in that is it that much of a conscious thought or is it so much more abstract and uh free than that it's not that simple in a way yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I would say that, well, you know, f- for starters, with the, you know, kind of what you're getting at with the the fantasy elements that are still in this kind of like almost sci-fi, you know, larger than reality, but still grounded in it, kind of these elements are really important to me because I'm a comic artist and I am so still interested in, um, in storytelling and and illustration but i wanted to find a place for it to exist alongside my my fine art practice you know because i think that you know i'm the same person making this stuff so i have just these common interests and bringing them into that into the same space you know like i obviously like a painting can't be well, I mean, maybe it could, but like, I, I don't really see, I'm not making a comic page and doing the, it, you know, it has a different function, different mm-hmm. form. Um, but the underlying themes that I'm interested in, which is sort of like, um, you know, fantasy and uh, this like larger than life mythological figures and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, like these metaphors of like creatures and fantasy things that I kind of create, you know, as stand-ins for bigger ideas, you know, that's, that's present in both things, because that's more of an abstract idea that I'm dealing with, rather than just, you know, the actual nuts and bolts of how the art form works. So that that comes up a lot. And, um, and then to answer what you were saying about, like, is this, like, the same reality? Or is it like, is are these the same figures, you know, like, a big part of that is that, like, a lot of this, a lot of these figures 
they are and they aren't like me, you know, to some extent. They're like, I, I use my likeness or likenesses of people who are close to me, like my husband, you know, and such, because they're where I see myself, I see my husband and I like, you know, I'm easily like accessible for like looking and when I'm working on a piece. Um, but like, and these are kind of like alternate versions of myself or things that I see in like, I want to explore, I'm curious about and, but like, I like to push it into a little more fantasy, because then it's not so um, stuck with me. So people aren't just seeing like, well, that's you, you know, your face, you know, it's like, instead, they can start to maybe put themselves in 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 the piece as well and see like, oh, well, like, I mean, this is just this kind of fantastical being like a, a vampirist or something like that, you know, that, that is not just, this is you, because it's not always about me. It's, it's also like, it's about these ideas of like nature and some of the things we've been talking about. Yeah, and as you say that, I was just looking at your... Because I've been focusing quite a lot on the paintings element of this, even though um, I think when we spoke uh, for Rebound, I'd looked at your graphites in uh, your graphites and inks in more detail and things. So mm-hmm. I was just sort of, as you were speaking there, um, I was just taking a look at some of the differences here. And for, say, the graphite, as an example, mm-hmm. it seems to be... I know there is uh, at least one here, which is also with the painting. I think it was actually my favourite one, the um, Hymenium um, yes. one. And so... But with this, I noticed there are certain elements here which I didn't see quite as evidently present in your paintings, which is the more uh, sexual side of things, or at least, yeah. uh, well, I suppose I, I will, yeah, I'll, I'll keep it with that, with the more the more sexual side of these things. Did you find that, like, are there other paintings you've got that you haven't? Because obviously these are just these are just the ones that you have released to the world. I'm sure there are countless books and canvases and all kinds of things that other people can't necessarily see, or you've uh, done for one reason or another to give to people, or things like that. With them, do you find that when you went to draw these ones and you released them, did you notice that with inks and with graphite, you ended up drawing slightly different things to what you would naturally end up drawing with the paintings just to to the format mm. and the styles you said? Or mm. is this was this more of a, oh, all of these uh, pencil drawings, I drew all of them in like the same two-year period. Like I- I'm intrigued if there was, say, a when you are drawing in yourself, is there a difference in what you actually come out with, with the different sort of formats? Or is it more of just a coincidence from these collections? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say, I mean, they're also related and coming from myself. And, you know, they are actually drawn a lot of these pieces. Some of a couple of them are older, but a lot of most of them are from like that same kind of two year period of like that I feel, you know, maturing and kind of learning and growing in this world. And uh, I would say that that kind of the thing that can be kind of weird with the translation from a drawing to a painting um, when I, you know, go back to similar subject matter is that I do sometimes get maybe a little more insecure when I start painting a subject compared to when I start drawing it. Because when I draw it, there's something inherently kind of removed about it because drawing is much more because it does, you know, it's graphite and black and white, you know, like you don't, it feels a little more like in that realm of like caricature or like pushing towards something that like we're obviously not in just like, you know, gray tones with, uh you know, squiggly lines. And so I feel a little freer to kind of probably get really intense with my subject matter, you know. Um, and then when I start painting it, though, I can sometimes be like, whoa, you know, all of a sudden I, I 
putting color and giving it more form and and feel maybe a little shyer about you know like oh wow like people are really going to see this and see a body you know and but like I've been pushing through that and um you know I think I, I like that you point out hymenium because that is you know that was a, a piece that was a little like oh you know like is this is this too much but at the same time like I think that you know, while I can be a pretty shy, you know, you know, introverted person, I my work kind of is a little confrontational and can be pretty like forward. And I, you know, I like that about it. So yeah, I guess that's, that's it that though, that color starts to make it feel a little more um, related to us related to the world, since we we kind of we are in color, and there's something that it makes it a little it gives it a little more of a presence. Hmm. Um, and can also make it feel a little more like confrontational where I feel like drawings, you can kind of, they're easy, they're a little easier to like overlook because, you know, the, and, and this comes up a lot in the art world, the, the fine art world that drawings don't nearly sell as well as like say paintings do because paintings are just, they're, they have such a heavy, um, physical presence, whereas drawings, they're a little lighter, you know, they're literally on paper a lot of the times, and they're harder to preserve and keep safe, and they have to be behind glass. And so there's something kind of like delicate about them that, you know, I then with my subject matter, I'm like, let's make this really, you know, like, I don't care, I'm gonna go crazy with it. Um, that starts to, you know, I start to get a little more, uh, I start to become a little more aware of what I was doing when I start painting it. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. It's, thanks for sharing that. And, and so within the same vein of what you are showing on your website and things, I, I assume there is a very large amount of art, either that's just in scrapbooks or things like that, or just elsewhere that isn't on this website. Mm-hmm. Is there actually, sort of what, what has made you decide to not put certain things on there? I assume part of it is because this is also somewhat of our portfolio that you show people when you want to get a commercial or a paying job or that sort of sense so i'm just intrigued by the sort of the selection process of what you have yeah. shown to the world in a way yeah yeah i mean that's a that's a great question it's a it's a challenge to be like what should i show um and it's usually not so much linked to subject matter but maybe like level of finishedness i guess mm. i would say it's like there's certain pieces where it's like i do so much drawing and painting like like quick studies and such and you know i couldn't imagine i'd probably like break the website you know with how much it would like slow down trying to load it all and i know people are interested in it but it's like it's kind of a tricky thing like how do i display this without it just being like an endless scroll right Mm -hmm. so i try to you know prioritize things that are pretty complete in in like that I feel are complete, you know, because there's still a lot of pieces that are works in progress that like I may be like still holding back on showing or showing the process of. Um, but then I do every so often, I do think it's still valuable to show like, you know, sketchbook paintings. There's a couple in there that are like in my sketchbook, literally, you can kind of see the edge of it. And uh, because, you know, I think I still like personally I love to see art like that. I like to see a little of the behind the scenes of how an artist um you know thinks in their sketchbook versus like the big f- complete finished thing, you know, they're they're all very uh they can kind of speak to each other in the process at large. Um so it's like it's kind of balancing all of those elements. Hmm. With what you've been saying, it kind of links to music I find in a lot of ways because 
you can kind of draw the lines in a lot of ways. There's a lot of music people make, but they never release to the world for one reason or another. There are songs that people release as singles, which are the big pieces, almost like an equivalent to a large art canvas. And there are things which are uh, demos or B-sides or tracks on an album that they made for them, not for the public, but they're kind of releasing anyway, in a sense. And there's so many things that you've been saying, and I don't have any uh, music out or anything, but it's like, it's one of the things that I believe that connects very well in that realm of art. And it's always because art is so raw, both focusing on music and artwork in itself is because they're both such raw things. And there's also a lot of interpretation, but also one can put a lot of controversy into it and they can be very thinking pieces and things because it's something so personal to someone. And the theory being almost anyone could do it in a sense, you know, anyone can in theory put a pen on paper and draw something. And then also mm-hmm. anyone in theory could say something with a beat in front of a microphone in theory and release it. So it's kind of that thing where it must be a very strange part where everyone can do it, but you know that you have something to show, but it's also what is it that you want to show? What is it that you want to hold dear? And how much of yourself do you want to expose through such a raw yet somewhat removed medium yeah absolutely and i mean that's a that i think that's a really important conversation to be having in this moment in, with the amount with digital tools like you know with websites or social media or however you're like you know putting your work out there interfacing with the internet in some way um that's like a hard conversation because we've never nobody's ever existed in a moment where it's so easy to just put your stuff out there and put it up there, you know, um, you usually had to go through a lot of different, you know, gatekeeping experiences in order to, you know, get a single piece of art shown in a gallery or to like be, um, you know, accepted into an orchestra for mm-hmm. a, a epic classical piece, you know, so it's never really been so easy to just kind of dump everything onto the internet. But then at the same time, it's like, I, I don't think that, um, I think we have to start to develop better curation, you know, uh, skills because, you know, it's, there are, there's, there are going to be the viewers who want to do like, they want to know everything they want to see the entire process. They're like just nerdy that way and love every bit of it. But like, you're also trying to like make it accessible for the people who are kind of just, they want to see the, the stars, right. The, the big hitters. And so uh, I've been really, you know, struggling with that. And I, and in, in part why I don't, um, I'm not on social media anymore because I was having a really hard time trying to navigate um, uploading work because sometimes I'd be like, oh, I want to upload like a finished painting and like that's I spent all this time on and then I'd also upload like a little sketch that I would do and it was really hard to kind of be doing both of those things and trying to keep up with the algorithm and you know all that stuff um, without it kind of distracting from my the the thing that's important which is just making the stuff uh, mm-hmm. so you know it's a it's an ongoing um process and i'm still you know i'm not sure if i have the you know the full answer yet but i you know i'm trying my best to kind of you know just make work and make work that i feel pretty good about and and like you know just keep that in my on my website in in these groups of time periods you know i think that that can help so then people who you know they just want to see the most recent thing they can do that you know or you can go into the you know go into the deep dive you know down the rabbit hole if you will you know 
Yeah, it, it's one of those with, especially with social media, where it's a degree of instant feedback and also over a period of time feedback. I've posted stuff on Instagram and then I get someone commenting on, commenting on it like years later. And I'm like, how? what were you doing to even find that? Were you on my timeline scrolling to the bottom? Did you click a hashtag and scroll back by four years? What? Why are you there? Yeah. Why, um, yeah. Whatever you're saying. And I've been quite fortunate where apart from one or two small occasions, I've not really had many people say negative things about my podcast, but then people have to actually spend quite a lot of time listening to my podcast to be able to cr- critique it. Whereas with yeah. a song or one of your pieces of um, artwork, you need, obviously to give a true critique, you need to actually look at it for a decent period of time. But even if someone looked at it for 15 seconds, they've seen enough of it to be able to say something negative about it if they so wanted to. And then it's also... I think anyone who puts himself out there on the internet, um, you know, with my podcast, for example, they'll have, I'll have conversations. I'm like, that was one of the best I've ever had. It's going to be brilliant. Amazing. And I, I don't dwell on the numbers. I don't really make a fuss about them or anything. It's not why I do my show. Um, but I think, oh, that one's barely had any. And then I have one stupid conversation with a mate of mine about nothing. And then it's like one of my most popular. And I'm like, I'm, yes. it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm happy that anyone's listening. But we get certain ones where I'm like, why is that one? I spent like hours doing research on this one and all this stuff and da, 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 so many insightful elements. And then this is me and my friend making fart jokes. It, and it's yeah. almost like with artwork, you could be like, oh, I did this little doodle. It took me, you know, 15 minutes while I was on a Zoom meeting call I wasn't paying attention to. And then here's an art piece that I spent the last like six months doing and it's really deep and means something to me and i've got this really deep connection and then you know there's the dude goes viral and no one sees your painting and you're like that can be in itself getting praise is nice and recognition but it can be in the you know in a sort of direction that you would yeah it's not quite preferable it's like oh, but it's been so long this one's so important and then you try and direct people and they're just in the stream go in that other way yeah and i don't know i mean like do you I I definitely can feel demoralized by it, but like, I mean, do you, can you feel that at all? Or, I mean, like, are you, you know, pretty removed from the numbers? It's something that I think every podcaster wants the numbers to be higher. Um, And there are, there was a time, I think it was around COVID where I think across the board for podcasts, almost all of them dropped apart from like the big, like, Really? 100. Yeah, it was. I think it's because what happened was where everyone was staying at home and the commuting went down so much. Oh, the people cut out their B and C list podcasts and kept the heavy hitters. So mm-hmm. things like, and I was guilty of it to a degree, when I could only listen to five hours of a podcast a day, a week, uh, rather than say two or three a day. The difference there would be I've got from 15 hours to five. Well, if I, I, I don't overly as much anymore, not just because of the political reasons, but quality in general. I used to listen to a lot of Joe Rogan. That's how I got into podcasting that and Scroobius Pip. So they were my go-to. I'd listen to them every episode constantly. And then, yeah. you know, Rogan releases four a week, sometimes three. They're like three hours long. And I just, my commute used to be longer. And, you know, since seeing Megan, especially since I've been with Megan, more of my free time is wanting to spend time with her rather than when I was single, especially or not living with her, just doing chores around the house while I listen to a podcast. So with COVID, especially where commuting time cut down, a lot of the podcasts that people would listen to but weren't the easy listen you know rogan mm. for many of the faults if you listen to any of the ones with his comedian friends they're really easy listens you don't really have to pay full attention you can kind of be doing whatever and it's just two people who are mates having a laugh about stupid things so that's fine but listening to a podcast that's either an intense audio drama or maybe even you know when someone talks to 
someone who was on death row for 30 years and then got off death row because it was DNA evidence proved them not to be guilty. Like those two conversations are so massively different and you really have to be in a certain Mm -hmm. mindset. And I think that when you get to some of the more, in air quotes, important conversations compared to the more silly ones in a sense, even though they both have equal but different value, um, I find what happened was, yeah, a lot of lower podcasters just lost. And the thing is with my show as well is that where I don't have a niche is not as easy. You get podcasts that come oh, out and they've been gosh. around for three months and they'll be bigger than mine. I know by their numbers, I don't announce my numbers or anything. And it's not something that bothers me necessarily, but I'm just like, you're at this demographic. Your thing is to do with this thing and there's not much out about that. Mine is like, if you kind of like general stuff, just subscribe and there'll be episodes that pop up that you'll probably like. There's always going to be yes. every few weeks, there's going to be something you enjoy, but it's just taking the plunge to try and listen to things you may not expect in a way. So for my podcast, it is slightly different. But from what I understand from a lot of indie podcasters, there was a, a hit when commute times went down for COVID. Certain shows skyrocketed. True Crime, I think, mm-hmm. got even more popular. But True Crime was already in the upper <laughs> right. echelon. So it was just like certain demographics of people who were doing certain things while listening to podcasts. It just kind of changed that slightly. And then when you had yeah. it where every celebrity on the planet decided they should do a podcast then it immediately um, stamped everyone else down. So in that realm, yes. it's slightly different. Yeah, no, well, and that's so interesting that you say that because I, I, you know, it's different, but I can relate in in the sense of uh, being a generalist can be really hard in this day and age. Mm. But like, it's like, I feel like I'm committed to it because, you know, I myself want to be exploring a lot of different things and be in a wide breadth of um, subjects and materials and things. But that is really hard because these like algorithms and the and the way that things get marketed and are in the way that our society is structured, it's it's really hard to be somebody who's doing a lot of stuff and having a really kind of, you know, many different kinds of complex conversations. And then to be like, oh, but people in some ways, you can see the success of people who like just are like laser focused on one topic and just do that constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I was kind of, I can sometimes feel like envious of the people who, who can do that in their art, you know, like I would see these, you know, very popular like Instagram artists and such and be like, every single post is pretty much like a variation of the last thing that they posted, you know, and, uh, and it's a very successful business model, but like, I couldn't do it just for the fact of like, I'd get bored, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, I find it's like, uh, that was part of my, again, that, that drive to kind of step away from social media. Cause I was finding that I was conflating like, Oh, like what kind of work should I be making? And like, Oh, are people, but you know, ultimately it's really hard to judge that from those numbers because the algorithm can kind of like, it, it just kind of favors certain kinds of ways of working over the others. And it doesn't invalidate, you know, being a generalist or having a lot of different interests. It just kind of means that it's not as easy to um, market you to a single audience and so i i've definitely struggled with that and it's interesting to hear that you you know there's something like that in podcasting as well yeah it's, it's interesting where podcasting although like podcasting is a degree of an art form mine i it makes me sound pretentious but it's almost like mine probably is but it's more like my my whole thing is literally just I want this is an excuse for me to talk to people I deem interesting and I just release it on the internet and put very detailed show notes as my audience seem to tell me and very like so I can never not do it anymore um 
So right. it, it's one of those things where I've thought about it before of ways I could become more popular in air quotes and things like things like that. I mean, I, I don't really share many political opinions on this. So I, I talk about my general opinions on certain things. Um, and But when I have a guest on who I don't agree with, I don't necessarily cause a lot of fuss. I'll challenge them in some ways. I generally don't seek them out. I've had people before have said, oh, you should talk to this person because they think completely opposite to you in this. And it's like, I, I do like a debate. But I prefer it with a friend of mine when it's about movies or something inconsequential. And the problem is yeah. I've, I've had it where I could have lots of controversial conversations about, I don't know, my opinion on the legality of drugs. You know, I think most of yeah. them should be legal. I think I figured out a vague system of it. There's a vast majority of reasons in why of, of things. But I, I kind of mention those occasionally when they come up. And there are there have been times I've spoken to individuals. Uh, there was one, uh, Gerardo Urias, I spoke with, I think, at the start of 2021. And he was speaking about psilocybin mushrooms and mm. how they helped him get out of a really dark place and all these kind of things. And it's a, a common theme I've heard quite a lot. So obviously speaking with him, I spoke about some of my opinions on that element. But do I want to have an argument with someone who's very anti-drugs and then them go into the minutiae of the political side of things and the economics and all this sort of stuff and potentially have done a lot more research than I have and then they make me look stupid or then I make someone else look stupid and it's like I don't I don't yeah, want to do those things. I, yeah, I'm just conversation. That's it. <laughs> I, I just want to chat with someone like I would be like it, it's almost trying to shortcut being friends with someone because if I just said to you, hey, um, I basically barely know you. Can I come in your house and chat with you for two hours? You'd be like, right. um, probably not. <laughs> but if I'm like, well, I've got a podcast, I've got a certain amount of people listening, we've got people who we know through each other, it's not going to be some, it's not going to be horrendous, uh, one would hope. So with that, it kind of fast tracks me to be able to just ask people certain questions and they're in this scenario where it's, I think I remember someone discussing almost like the um, like Louis Theroux. Do you um, do you know oh, yeah. Louis? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, so, no. Do I? Oh, wait, I the direct the director. Um, he's very mild mannered with glasses. He did something on the um, he did one on Sci Church of Scientology called My Scientology Movie. That was pretty cool. He did uh, something mornings with. He's a British filmmaker, basically, mm. and he's quite mild-mannered. You may have seen yeah. him in, in certain things. Everyone in Britain knows who he is, and he. When he talks to certain people, he's very calm and he's very uh, polite about things, but he does ask fairly deep questions to certain individuals. And people have said it's almost like him at the end of a party. You know, when you're at, if you're at a party, especially in sort of college-ish time and there's like a house party, when it gets to like two or three in the morning and there's just a few people left, a lot of the time it's these deep, sometimes crazy conversations that go down yeah. uh, crazy rabbit holes. And it's almost a thing like that for me is my excuse is I, I could spend a lot of money trying to advertise my podcast or I could try and get certain guests or there's like hot topics that come out where people are talking about this thing and it's like I could specifically orchestrate a conversation with one of my podcasting friends or someone random to talk about you know what's going on with the this is this is dating it now but for example COVID just happening the Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd and all that sort of stuff and I was like if it comes up in conversation I will talk about it but I, I, I don't want for my show to be reactive I just want it to be mm. Let's just yeah. talk to people. The conversation in itself will somewhat date it just from uh, a degree of cultural references that are said. But unless the conversation is specifically about this type of movie or, or that specific subject, I, I just want to be free from all those sort of things. And it's been a, a thing I've thought about before. And I, it's a similar thing with art. Like you could, if you are in music, you can just make advert music and things like that forever radio jingles i know it's not quite this simple to clarify i'm not saying just tomorrow wake up and make radio jingles and live on it you know but 
the direction which you can aim. You could just go for almost any art piece or any comic book or any person who confronts you. You could almost try anything. And there's one thing that you said in the conversation with Reburn that I wonder if you could sort of repeat, which is something that you've learned from being in the industry and choosing is 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 not a problem choosing what you want to do and saying no occasionally. So I wonder if you yeah. can give us a little bit of uh, insight into that because you said it quite eloquently in the last time we chatted. Yeah, no, I'm uh, well. I don't know how I said it then, but I mean, I I do just really I'm very firmly in this mindset that like we should be curating like what's important to us because it's like you know. It can be a really good business model, a really good, you know, tactic to just kind of like, I'm just going to do this same thing, be really predictable and really easy for like, you know, a marketing person to know what I am and what I'm about. And then, you know, you can secure work, you know, and that's like, there's nothing wrong with that or having phases of that in your life. But like, I also am so of the mindset that being um, really versatile and having a lot of different interests and then also finding the people who are kind of on that same page is actually going to lead to a lot more fruitful of results in the long run. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about this and I, I think that, you know, it can feel like in the short term, like, you know, you're not making much progress or like, look at those people who are like succeeding in that way. And, but I have found, you know, with a lot of people who existed before us, you know, a lot of the painters that I loved or artists that I admire, you know, they were kind of investing in this long-term um, philosophy and those kinds of like those deeper kinds of conversations of like, I, I, these are related to my values. These are related to my um, bigger, the bigger picture of what I like want to be known for as an artist and such that kind of stuff doesn't come, you know, in a week of planning, you know, it doesn't just come like after a month or, you know, it's not that's it. You're aiming for a big goal. And so I kind of have been trying to, you know, be at peace with, uh, with who I am and knowing that like, it may not come right away that success, but if you hold true to it, you know, you're like, you're, it will pay off and it will, you'll always be satisfied because at least you're being true to like yourself and the work you want to make otherwise you know you can really easily find yourself in situations and projects that don't align with what you're about and it can burn you out and it can actually kill your love for the thing that brought you into it and uh and at that point like what's what's the point then if you just like you know, you went into illustration and you burned yourself out because you took on all these jobs that were just soulless. And then all of a sudden it's like you hate drawing, you you hate illustration and you never want to look at it again. You know, I've met people who, who that happened to them and it's like, well, I guess, you know, maybe I'll have a few less jobs. Maybe I have to take on a part-time job somewhere else. Maybe I have to do some seasonal stuff. Um, but like, at least I still retain the thing that is most important to me, which is this this love of this work that I do. Yeah, the passion. If you're in the world of arts, I think you should be there for you. You yeah. first. And second of that is whatever your secondary objective is. Is it to you know, uh, draw for Marvel? Or is it to be known as the greatest comic artist of all time? Or is it to do lots of crazy weird horror stuff? Or is it just to make enough money to survive, but try and sell as many of your own paintings as possible? Everyone's got their own goal. You know, the ones I start with were obviously the more extreme end and the other ones were sort of more on the other end. And it's just kind of where one wants to be whenever you enter a world of arts. 
Yeah, it's all valid, you know, like, but it's the, I think the trickiest part is like tuning out everybody else's like opinions and really getting to the heart of like, what what are you really about? You know, like that's, it's hard to know yourself. And, you know, I, I feel fortunate to have like, I feel like I'm in a much better place, but I got there because I just kept making the stuff and finding like, okay, I'm at peace with this, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. And we'll start to um, wrap up here because we're past the 90 minute mark. I feel like we could talk about this sort of stuff forever, but oh, I do definitely. I do have, it's, it's amazing. Thank you very much for coming on. But I do want to ask with, uh, I've got sort of maybe one more question. And that was with art in itself, linking in with uh, what you were just saying there, do you find that in doing art, excluding the professional and paid side of things, just you doing your own artwork, whether or not you put it on your website or not, just for your own introspection, when you finish and you put down the paintbrush or the pencil or whatever, do you find that you just expressing yourself in that way helps you grow as a person, just getting some of that out? Oh my God. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, like, and I, you know, I can, I could go on and on about that too, but like, it's such an important thing to me. And that's why I kind of, I've, I really have this philosophy of like safeguarding it because it, you know, the reason I do it is, is to kind of cope with, you know, the, the struggles of being a person or, you know, and existing in this really, um, you know, these, this, this stressful experience that we call life and, you know, having art can, it's like, it's the way that, you know, you, you, I wake up and I'm like, oh, I, I look forward to this, this thing, you know, or like I am, I feel like energized after these conversations, you know, and like stuff like this too, you know, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, like you were talking earlier, like, yeah, yeah, I'm like a shy and introverted person, but like when it comes to art, like I just open up because it's like, it's a passion. And I think that that's the power of it, that like, you know, it can change who you think you are just by means of like doing it and I that's it's cool you know it's really really cool so that that's why you know for any like young creators or even you know people who just need to hear it it's like you don't don't like I it's so hard you know like we do have to like make money and survive and live and such but like try your best to also safeguard uh that that part of yourself because you know like it's not worth it if it's like you just hate it you know if if it's tied to all the the things that make your life stressful you know it's like that it's important to just to like live you know and have that there you know it's a sort of like its own kind of therapy yeah it's your art should be expression that should be the number one thing then worry about monetization if you can but don't swap what you gain from it personally for money because it will even if it seems better for the first few years at some point it will uh, it will become not worth it and as you eloquently put sort of before if you start to if you go into illustration with the intention that i love art i want to go to a career in it and then by the end of your career you're like i hate art well then all you've done is basically work a job you don't like and lost a hobby you could have just worked in like a call center or a, a shop or something and there's nothing wrong with either of those two jobs you know how people however they want to work and make money but it's like myself i work in insurance um i'm like everyone i work with it's fine it's it's a it's a job that i have lots of things i like about it with and because of this job i have the time to be able to do podcasting as a side 
I could have a job that could earn me way more money, but I would have a lot less time and a lot less freedom to be able to live the way I want to live with myself, with Megan and just podcasting in general. So it's always like, don't, especially for young people, I think is quite a big thing, especially because that's what schools kind of push quite a lot. And it's just like, yeah, just make enough money to live and see what you kind of want to do and vaguely go from there. Because if you aim for making so much money that you can buy your own island or, you know, obviously that's me being over the top, but, you know, I want to, people, kids are like, oh, I want to buy, buy my own house outright immediately. And you're like, well, you're either setting yourself up for fail or you're going to have to work so, so hard for the first decade of your life. You're going to just burn yourself out. Just, you know, my kind of advice and when I, if, when I have kids and things, it will be do a job either that you're passionate about and that you want to genuinely do or do something that you don't hate, but spend the rest of your time doing something that you actually want to do. And if you're lucky and you go down that second path, eventually you're, uh, a lot of people call it like a side hustle, that can mm. generate revenue. And like my goal of podcasting is maybe if I'm lucky in five more years, maybe I'll make enough money from Patreon or whatever. I don't monetize it at the moment or anything, but it's like maybe in the future I would. And if I did do that and I made enough money, I could just reduce my hours at work by a day. That would be yeah. great if I get an extra day of the week and I get to just, from podcasting, do that. That would be amazing. You know, I would love to be a full-time podcaster, but it's so, unless you're basically already famous, it's near on impossible uh, for the vast majority of people, like it is for a lot of other professions. So I, yeah. I will just say with like everything you've been saying, it's very inspiring hearing about sort of your perspectives on all of these different aspects of art and hearing how passionate you are and things. And obviously people, we spoke about Reburn in the previous conversation, so I will link to that. Make sure you go check that out. But, you know, if you want to pick up some of Elise's work and it's, you know, made with an incredible individual, Alison Shelton, and also mm -hmm. uh, producer editor Jessica Patel and other individuals as well involved in that process. But like the three of you were sort of the cornerstones of that you know the the project getting uh, a physical release getting things that people actually get to see and if people want to support you they can obviously check that out and i do highly recommend because it's amazing but also your website I, we i've mentioned it quite a lot in this conversation but it's just it costs you nothing to go on elisa's website and just have a look yeah yeah it's great yeah fun. no and i just I, that's the most rewarding thing is just to like if you just look at the work you know and you take something away from it that's like on i mean and literally everything that you've said mike i mean has been really you know just super like gratifying to hear so like thank you you know for this conversation because it's it's like oh you know like i could be toiling away in the studio uh for hours and be like is any of this even coming across you know and feel like i'm just kind of talking to myself but uh you know it's like these kinds of you know connections that really uh you know like are fulfilling and like oh yay yes it, it's coming across so thank you no problem at all. It's, it's generally been a delight and just looking at your artwork and things, I was so excited uh, when I spoke with Alison the first time and I looked into more of your work and things. I was just so excited uh, that we could have this conversation just about it because I had so many questions and things that you've, you know, very honestly and openly answered that I hugely appreciate. And I know my audience will really appreciate your openness and honesty uh, on this show because I know how, you know, as we've discussed, how raw art is. Um, so before I sort of wrap this up, is there just any final words you want to say to uh, any of the listeners or anything? else it can be long or short as you want the floor is yours we'll say about your website and then uh, we'll hang this up yeah well i mean again just you know i'm just 
thankful for this conversation. And, you know, if you want to see more of my work, you know, I'm not on social media, but my website's the best way to find my work and to look at it. And I also have a little newsletter that I've started up. So if you're at all a newsletter person, you know, it's a little old fashioned, I know, but, you know, I I kind of have started to really like them. So uh, there's always that as an option, too, if you want to hear more about my work. Fantastic. I've already signed up, actually. I realized I hadn't done, so I did it in this conversation. So <laughs> we've done that. It's amazing. Well, thank you. It's all right. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of your artwork and things. I just want to be notified of uh, anything else that you come out with, because it is, is genuinely, I swear to you, the reason I want you to have, I wanted to have you on the show was, A, you know, I was impressed by the Rebone comic, but more specifically when I saw the paintings and the, the graphites and things, when I saw those and the range of them and the, you know, how raw they were in a way without being uh a rawness while being provocative in the right amount in a sense without it being overly gratuitous and i just really appreciate yeah, it and i could you. see patterns there so i just wanted to speak mm-hmm. with you about it because as you say getting to know the artist and getting to know the process is always something i'm very intrigued by uh, when it comes to people in different artistic forms i always just love hearing about how they make things so you know thank you for coming on the show i do hugely appreciate you uh, spending the time to speak to me both this time and when we spoke before uh, and it's an open invitation if you ever want to come back and talk about anything in particular anything specific or if you've got some new project that you want to help promote or anything like that always welcome to contact i know all of my listeners would love to hear it as well well thank you so much no worries at all and that's the end of the conversation thank you so much for listening as always my friends as i said in the intro make sure you check out elise's website elisemccool.com and also while you're at it check out reburncomic.com as well because allison and elise's reburn comic is absolutely fantastic and obviously you can check out episode 173 of styles comics and canon either on youtube or any podcast app and you can hear even more information about reburn So friends, what is going on in my life? What is coming up? What can you expect? Well, I'm having a conversation with Frank Burton tomorrow uh, about his latest book, Brollywood. So that's always always a fruitful conversation with Frank. In addition to that, I've got a Disney Discussions Part 4 recorded uh, with Rhea, Megan and Spider-Dan. We speak about our favourite Pixar movies, so that's quite a lot of fun there. I don't know which I'm going to be releasing next week. It'll maybe be Disney Discussions, actually, because uh, we're planning on recording a Disney Discussions for Christmas and I want that to come out in December obviously for Christmas uh, so in that regard I don't want like two weeks in a row to be Disney discussions so Disney may be the next one then I've also got another conversation plan with Radhika Rao uh, so she came on a either a couple months ago or a few weeks ago time is so bizarre to me at the moment um, but she uh, was on the show a little while ago uh, and when she came on the show we spoke about Buddhism and stuff and we're going to extend that conversation further I've also got a conversation plan with Dave Horrocks of Comics Emotion and we're going to talk about the Tales of the Jedi, which is the Star Wars latest animated release about Ahsoka Tano and Count Dooku. Um, so that's going to probably just go on Comics in Motion, but I haven't fully decided yet. I'm also going to appear on the Geek's 50th episode, so Era of Geek, the show by Super Dummy Paul, who is a member of Comics in Motion and stuff. Um, I went on Geek, I think I was episode one or two. Um, he speaks to people about what it's like being a geek, some of the stigma that comes to it, and people's favourite things, in a very layman's way of speaking about it. And uh, I was basically somewhat very nominated by our community and also i put my name forward uh, that when paul got to like a landmark episode then i could interview him in the style that he interviews everyone else uh, so he agreed to that and we're doing it for episode 50 so i'll be recording that next week um i may record that on this feed as well as on his own feed just so it's a bit more people kind of hearing what paul has to say in case anyone hasn't checked out era of geek so those few things are coming up uh, and then christmas obviously 
there's going to be the Disney Discussions Christmas and then I'll kind of figure it out from there. Uh, in 2023, I've already got a couple people lined up and whatnot, uh, but we'll kind of figure it out, you know, when it gets to Christmas, it's always a bit of a, because Christmas actually lands on a Sunday and I don't release things on Christmas. So really, I've only got three weeks before Christmas to release stuff. And then the Sunday after that is the 1st of January. So I'll probably just release like a Patreon special on that because I don't really like to be doing a lot of podcasting work over the holiday season uh, because I like to just relax. And as much as I enjoy this and it's a labor of love, it is still work. So I just normally at Christmas, I just want to binge eat, drink loads of alcohol, normally cider, and just watch TV with Megan and obviously cuddle with Willow, the newest member of the family this Christmas. Uh, so all very exciting stuff. For anyone who doesn't already know, Willow's our dog, just to clarify. Uh, there's loads of photos of her on social media, lots of photos of her on Patreon as well. Um, and I do apologize. It's just, just like absolutely pouring of rain. Normally you can't hear it too badly here, but I think you might be able to hear it in this room because it's quite loud. Uh, so apologies if you can hear that right at this very end part. Obviously, the only other things to say is please follow me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. In addition to that, you can support the show going to patreon.com slash Genuine Chit Chat. For as little as £1 a month, you get access to loads and loads of episodes of mine and Megan's Afterthoughts. It's like 100 or so. I've done Afterthoughts on books, just myself, some Star Wars ones, some in Legends, some in Canon that aren't available elsewhere. Me and Megan talk about some of the trips we've been on to the Isle of Wight, to Malta, seeing live performances like Book of Mormon. Uh, everybody's talking about Jamie, a few other things like that. We speak about musicals we see live or we speak about musicals we've seen on like film in essence we talk about tv shows we've seen movies there's a tom hanks watch we've doing. we've just finished spooky season uh, and then i do a few other bonus things on there as well so it's an audio exclusive feed so you get to copy it wherever you listen to podcasts and for doing that you get access to at least one episode a week for spooky season we released i think 11 episodes in the month uh, all about horror films and stuff and so it's a great way to get additional content and to support the show and you get early access to episodes of Genuine Chit Chat when they're split in two as well so loads of great reasons and for as little as £1 a month one of the cheapest Patreons out there and you get some of the most amount of content as far as I've seen and I appreciate every single individual who has considered going over to patreon.com slash Genuine Chit Chat but if you're not 100% sure please go to the link in the description which is bit.ly slash Tom Hanks 1 and you can listen to the very first episode of mine and Megan's Afterthoughts about our Tom Hanks watch about the movie Big completely for free but that's gonna be enough for me my friends thank you so much for listening as always thank you for supporting the show in the many ways you do please share on social media tell your friends about all this sort of stuff i'm excited to talk to you next week with probably disney discussions part four and then the subsequent weeks with frank burton but i'll keep yourselves updated in that regard just subscribe and listen to every single episode and you'll know exactly what's going on or follow me on social media just do both it's the best way forward but thank you so much i hope you have a great day great weekend a great everything really uh, and i'll speak to yourselves next week you have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.